Good evening, or good morning, or good day, or good night. Good night, listeners. Hoş geldiniz. Welcome. Welcome to the Drawing Core podcast. We are in episode 23. It's amazing. How are you? Are you very well? I hope that you're good. I hope that you had a nice week. I hope that you didn't try and be too productive. I hope that you didn't uh, make any stress for yourselves. I hope that you had some empty space that you filled with a whole lot of nothing. And you, you're feeling that benefit of that, of, of that time you spent turned off from all of the pressure of being alive. This is actually inadvertently a rather in a, a rather appropriate way of introducing this week's podcast. But before I go any further, this week's podcast is sponsored by Hairstyles. Whether it be waxing your armpits, having a Mohican for for a bit. Um, dreadlocking your pubic hair hair is there to be styled and you you wouldn't you wouldn't just read one book you know you'd read you'd read at least at least seven books um, and equally with hairstyles you you, sh- you shouldn't you should don't, don't just with your head don't just stick to one style branch out have several styles maybe at the same time maybe have different length or color armpit hairs not like individual hairs but I mean like one armpit and the other uh, different styles why not just just don't forget that you have dominion over your body no one can tell you what is the right and wrong hairstyles the hairstyles are yours Hairstyles. Hairstyle. So, <clears throat> this week's podcast is going to be um, about cynicism. I'm going to look at some ideas about cynicism. And as I've said many times in the podcast, I'm no expert on anything. Um, it's all very poorly researched the conjecture is based on very little evidence it's hearsay or it's lies last week it was just lies for a 40 minute, for good 40 minutes of just lying to you so the the purpose of this is not to give information the purpose of this is to try and uh, just be involved in an interesting conversation that can push something to you to take away and maybe have another conversation with someone else or maybe just think about a little bit. Um, something that I think is worth thinking about or having a conversation about. That's my raison d'etre. I don't know if that was very good pronunciation, but that's the reason for doing this. 
I have a friend to thank for a good conversation we had on cynicism this weekend. Thank you, friend. Um, but it's been it's been something nagging me for for a long while. <clears throat> but specifically, what has nagged me about cynicism is the cynicism that we find in satirical comedy. And I hope that next week we have an episode on specifically satirical com- comedy. But in fact, doing an episode today on cynicism will, will lead us there really nicely, I think. So not, not much beating about the bush today. We're, we're going straight in. And I thought... <clears throat> logically... We'll start with the definition of cynicism. Um, so, like I said in the um, fifth podcast, I think it was, we talked about the words radical, queer, and fascism. I do believe that we shouldn't be scared to use words because we're not sure if we're exactly correct in their meanings. I think we can inhabit our own meanings of words as we use them. As long as we have a kind of either either a justification or a willingness to change or like you know we have a flexibility to it so we're not we're not saying rigidly this is how our word is then I don't think we should necessarily be subject to rigidities of words right so I'm using the word cynical in a certain way and you you're, you're I think it's it's a very common way of using it and you will for sure get the sense if not now then in a few minutes of after we're talking and maybe you will think ah this isn't really cynicism this is something else and I would call it this and you you go ahead you you call it that I'm not gonna argue the toss about the right word to use but this is the word that I think is that I use this is this is the word that I think is understandable for this kind of stuff so in order to, to, to give a definition now I'm gonna use this this the start, starting sentences of a Wikipedia article because uh, this Wikipedia article and I think generally Wikipedia articles are kind of broad and vague enough to kind of cover our bases right so cynicism is an attitude characterised by a general distrust of others' motives a cynic may have a general lack of faith or hope in the human species or people motivated by ambition, desire, greed, gratification, materialism, goals and opinions that a cynic perceives as vain, unobtainable or ultimately meaningless and therefore deserving of ridicule or admonishment. The term originally derives from the ancient Greek philosophers, the cynics, who rejected all conventions, whether of religion, manners, housing, dress, or decency, instead advocating the pursuit of virtue in accordance with a simple and idealistic way of life. So cynicism, as I'm using it, is this general distrust of others' motives. It's a kind of negative, pessimistic view of the world and specifically the people, the people of the world, or of people, Annie. 
I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of what I can, a good use of cynicism in art. And we're going to move towards talking about what I think is an, is not a very good use of cynicism in the art, the more dangerous use of cynicism in the art. And in fact, upon reading this definition, that more dangerous edge of cynicism, which we'll come to later, I think is a little bit um, like those ancient Greek philosophers, the cynics, who rejected all conventions, instead advocating the pursuit of virtue in accordance with a simple and idealistic way of life. Because when we say this is, this is a virtue, this is the fixed, we say it simply and idealistically, this is the fixed way to be virtuous. We cast a, a hell of a lot of judgment. And this, this smells a little bit of a fascistic mind, I think, which says, I know what is right. And there should be no democratization of that judgment. It is kind of absolute. I'm talking as we have done about queering something it would be kind of the opposite of that when we're queering something we want we're wanting to in a, in a droiny query way we're wanting to disband our categories and open up possibilities whereas if we were to advocate the pursuit of virtue simply and idealistically we would be narrowing narrowing our possibilities yani and this, I think, can happen with cynicism, but we're not going to we're not going to come into that straight into that negative, that 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 form of cynicism that I think is not very helpful or I think is dangerous. I'm going to start with a, with a positive example of cynicism in art, yeah, like use, using cynicism as a tool in text. Um, uh, uh, in fact, let's uh, let's get up the. Right, Watchmen, 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 I don't know how to pronounce this now, Watchmen is an American comic book series by the British creative team of writer Alan Moore, artist Dave Gibbons and colourist John Higgins. It was published by DC Comics in 1986 and 1987. Um, okay, this is not very helpful uh, definition here on Wikipedia. You let us down, Wikipedia. 50% success rate. It's not good enough. Um, so Watchmen is a superhero comic book series. And I listened to an interview with Alan Moore. Um, he's interviewed by Stuart Lee. It's a very nice little interview. And Alan Moore says that he thought about how these idealistic superheroes, classic superhero types, type characters, how they would be if they were dropped into a, a real, realistic world full of all of the crazy shit that happens in, in real life. And what emerges 
most strongly, and in, and to 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 kind of get at the core of the comic book and and ignore lots of other interesting things that it's doing. But the thing that really it, it comes out of this comic book is the is the fascism of the mentality of superheroes. So I'm going to read the very first lines of, of this comic book and it gives I think it it really sets the tone so we have a we have um, some images of a, of a street but we don't really we're not we're not gonna really know what's going on we just have this um, these dialogue boxes that say Rorschach's journal October the 12th 1985 Dog carcass in alley this morning. Tire tread on burst stomach. This city is afraid of me. I have seen its true face. The streets are extended gutters, and the gutters are full of blood. And when the drains finally scab over, all the vermin will drown. The accumulated filth of all their sex and murder will foam up about their waists and all the whores and politicians will look up and shout, save us. And I'll look down and whisper, no. Those are the first three panels of Watchmen by, written by Alan Moore. It gives a little flavor of how, that, and that's one, of, that's one of the superheroes, who's Rorschach is one of the, one of the superheroes in the comic. And, it, and it, as it goes on, it emerges that almost all of the superheroes have this kind of incredibly cynical view of the world around them. And they believe that they are kind of correcting the great wrong or the great wrongs committed by the sort of people around them as if everyone else is sinners and they are some kind of divine justice. And that, as you can you can you can hopefully see that for the fascism in that and and this this it really grapples with i think the central issue of superheroes because superheroes uh superheroes superhero superhero stories are all about the prime ability of the one to be judge jury and executioner and everyone else is kind of lesser and not really worthy of taking up that mantle there's there's little democracy when it comes to Superman. Superman always knows the difference between good and evil. This kind of thing. This this is like a kind of spectre that's haunted superhero comics, and Watchmen really goes into goes into that and drags it up and puts it very explicitly in our faces. Uh, across all of these superheroes who exist in a very very real world and how the mentality of someone who wants to wants to fight for good um, how they react to being in such a world as ours and I think this is a this 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 comic has a has a really good use of cynicism because it it, it makes explicit cynical attitudes of the characters and doing so it kind of exposes and explains how 
conservative worldviews are created, challenged, or reproduced in echo chambers, or reflected across all of the spectrum from politicians to people on the street. Uh, and, and superheroes and everybody in between and government agencies and scientists and uh, nerds and um, uh, radical people and it, it just has this matrix of of conservative values and and values that bounce back across off that conservatism and it explores how that how that right-wing point of view can kind of snowball. So this is, I think, a very valuable piece of work. Um, I think it would be sort of like if, if we if we if we look at comic books or comic book heroes in mainstream media in year, in in pretty much any year since Watchmen was published, which is fucking thirty-five years ago now. If we look at them and we see a very black and white morality in the superhero, um, I don't know what what would be the best example, but I mean most of the Marvel films, for sure, like which have been very popular the last years. But I mean, even going back to 2000 and whatever, when Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man. These Avengers films and all this, like, in a lot of cases, like the Iron Man films. Um, it's, it's crazy to think that people still make superhero movies where the superheroes are the arbiters of what is good and bad after Watchmen. Because I think that... Alan Moore really lays bare the problems with that. So I'm gonna, I want to share another bit from Watchmen. One thing that's interesting that Watchmen does is it has its own in-text intertextuality. And I'm gonna come back to that. But what I mean is that after every chapter, there are additional texts and they take different forms. So sometimes there's diary. Sometimes there's um, uh, I don't know reports. Sometimes there's letters, um, and they kind of fill out the rest of the world. So here is one such item, and it's a letter to. Um, it's, a, it's a letter written by one of the superheroes who has his own business in which he makes action figures of himself and television shows of himself and has this but, but but much more than that has this huge business empire which is all under his name so he's become a very successful capitalist off the back of his superhero career and so he's talking about uh, this perfume that he is part of his empire called nostalgia and especially talking about this uh, advert which is a sort of sexy lady uh, uh, wearing tight putting on tights and um, it's uh, yeah 
lacy, lacy, tight, sexy lady perfume advert. And he says in he, he's having an issue with it. He's saying that we should we should do, do something else. He says in the soft focus imagery and romantic atmosphere, the advertisements conjure an idyllic picture of times past. It seems to me that the success of the campaign is directly linked to the state of global uncertainty that has endured for the past 40 years or more. In an era of stress and anxiety, when the present seems unstable and the future unlikely, the natural response is to retreat and withdraw from reality, taking recourse either in fantasies of the future or in modified visions of a half-imagined past. While this marketing strategy is certainly relevant and indeed successful in a context of social upheaval, I feel we must begin to take into account the fact that one way or another such conditions cannot endure indefinitely. Simply put, the current circumstances our civilization finds itself immersed in will either lead to war or they won't. If they lead to war, our best plans become irrelevant. If peace endures, I contend that a new surge of social optimism is likely, necessitating a new image for Vate Cosmetics, geared to a new customer. To this end, starting next year, we will begin to phase out the nostalgia line of ladies' and men's cosmetics, successful though they be, and replace them with a new line that better exemplifies the spirit of our anticipated target group. This new line is to be called the Millennium Line. The imagery associated with it will be controversial and modern, projecting a vision of a technological utopia, a whole new universe of sensations and pleasures that is just within reach. So that letter in the comic book is written in the context of a, an impending third world war, which is in the fictional world. This is what the Cold War has uh, evolved into, this very real threat of war. So you see the cynicism of this character using that, sort of manipulating that very cold and clinical evaluation of what's going on to suit his business goals, to make more money, to exploit people. Marketing, this, which is what it's really talking about there, marketing is a very easy topic to see cynicism in because you distrust the motives of the advertisers in the beginning because they don't want you to be happy or improve your life. They want to sell more products. And the advertisers themselves see people as consumers, not as people. They don't really care as long as you can make their money. That is there, so they they have they also um, project a distrust of their customers, really. So it's a very it's a very cynical world, the marketing advertising world. And so Alan Moore is using that to flesh out this cynical world between the superhero and the war, that's the impending war, and showing how something like advertising and capitalism is playing a key role in this snowballing of right-wing paranoia and essentially fascism that is kind of driven by cynicism. So I think this is a really good use of cynicism in a text. It's not 
Watchmen is not a cynical text. Watchmen is a text about cynicism. So I think that cynicism has grown and or maybe become more popular um, as neoliberalism has grown. So if we think that neoliberalism is growing from the especially from the 80s and the policies of Margaret Thatcher in the UK and Ronald Reagan in the US and this new generation which is kind of it had been angry the decade before and it had been punk and that didn't amount to the revolution that was perhaps envisaged or hoped for or whatever in the 80s things actually got a lot tougher because of this new neoliberal politics that came to the front so there's a there's a huge generation here that are very disenfranchised between these uh, punk rockers and these yuppies and the yuppie is the kind of cynical success story the yuppie is the is the one who benefits from neoliberalism in the 80s and is the one like uh, Adrian Veidt who, who wrote the letter in Watchmen who just sees people in terms of how they can benefit the yuppie general distrust or lack of faith or hope in the human species Yanni it's like a, it, it, neoliberal capitalism is like the the extreme e economics that we are living under and is perhaps collapsing under us with um, the financial crisis 10 years ago and all this I'm not an expert on, on any of this this is my um, broad sketching in order to say that I think this is very linked with cynicism and I think that the other thing that we see from the 80s and from the 90s until now is um, a growth another growth which is uh, to do with media and culture our consumable culture has ballooned to such an extent that some, someone said something very interesting to me the other day which was that um, basically it's, it's sort of more important now the delivery of a piece of text or of a text or a piece of art than the actual content of it because it's all about delivery it's all about access there's just so much media out there there's so much culture so much art so many texts out there that are so easily accessible it's it's not only about the content because you can find whatever you want it's about how you get that like we need to look at how you're going to present like how how well, I choose to do this as a podcast and we've talked a lot about that as a, as a thing in itself. This is a kind of vital discussion to be having now because it's like, how much success are you going to have doing it this way or that way? Who, what kind of people are you going to re reach doing it this way or that way? So, like, if you think from before neoliberalism, um, or like, or also in the eighties your way of accessing culture would be quite clear. So, I mean, you could argue that in a way it was, it was, it's less important now, more important then, but that, that would be a different, that's a different kind of frame. But 
back then it would be you could either access or you couldn't maybe because you had money so you could afford to go to the concerts or buy the records or buy the books or you had you could afford the time it took to read the books or whatever like you could go to the cinema like it was more tangible the access whereas now it's much more intangible because you can just almost everybody has a phone that can uh, in at least in the west almost everybody has a phone that can access like so a, such a wealth of information that you couldn't possibly take it all in so this kind of like hyper uh, hyper consumption has gone along with this neoliberalism and I think cynicism is also related to this hyper consumption the hyper accessibility because when it's intangible it feels less you feel less important like we are lost in that world of information um, and I think you feel very much bombarded with it and it's quite it's quite a lot of pressure to be under there's a kind of alienation or a disenfranchisement that happens just because there's there's such a huge ocean of culture all around us that we're kind of expected to be able to navigate in a way when things were simpler not that they were easier but when things were simpler like you could have a path laid out in front of you whereas now like very few people have a career which takes them all the way through I'm not saying that that's that would be better to have that but it makes you a lot more alienated and disenfranchised and a, a lot of the expectations that society puts on us are still based in these old models so you're kind of it's, it's easy to be in a position where you can't get you, you have no chance of having that careerist life where you're going to rise up through a single role like in a company all the way through your working life and achieve success that way but it's still expected of you at least tacitly we haven't quite caught up to the changing nature of the world because it's happened so fast so I think it's very easy amongst all these things to feel cynical because you kind of look at everything and you can't really trust what's going on and again we come back to advertising this is why this is an important component because like our uh, surveillance capitalism and our and, and the, the selling of data that the collection and the selling of data that goes along goes on all the time like is going on now while I have my internet browser window open and, and searching for fucking cynicism or whatever this 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 breeds a kind of cynical attitude because you feel a little bit like well yeah of course the world is manipulative of me it's just trying to sell me stuff all the time I can't escape it and you start to go down this negative pessimistic way of looking at the whole fucking situation you're in that you call life there's a story called Good Old Neon by David Foster Wallace and it opens like this my whole life I've been a fraud 
I'm not exaggerating. Pretty much all I've ever done all the time is to try and create a certain impression of me in other people, mostly to be liked or admired. The good old neon, which I, I highly recommend, is like all of this disenfranchisement and cynicism in a, in a neoliberal yuppie type world taken to its most extreme conclusion and it's the person who is just being aware that they're faking it all the time and just sort of putting on this veneer in order to impress other people and how kind of dissatisfied they are with this and how they kind of can't escape it and it is just this endless circle that they go around of like every time I try not to be a fraud I'm being so aware of that that I am kind of fraudulently doing that so there's there's no possible really escape from this fraud fraudulent nature and another something that it, the story links into this is um is nonlinear time and the idea that um there can be something like infinite time and only in infinite time are you able to really appreciate all of or, or try and express all of the processes that are going on in your head constantly because there, there's so much happening so quickly but with infinite time you can kind of notice all of that and you can kind of see its structure and then you see it for what it really is and the, the suggestion is that it will it will feel like a it will feel like it's all a fraud like it's all not kind of real because you lose maybe and I'm kind of putting my spin on it here but like maybe because you lose the mystery that gives you the sense that there's something essentially like deeper but again like like grasping at infinitude things become less tangible like this endless circle of like seeing everything as just a construction i think like this is this is in some ways a reflection of like this endless endless wheel of content that you're kind of encouraged to flip through or scroll through on your phone and it's again like going back to neoliberalism this is the sort of one of the central contradictions of capitalism is that you, you can't keep getting there's only so 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 long you can go trying to get more and more out of less and less so you should always be making a profit you should always be increasing your profits in, in a kind of capitalist mind in a, especially in a neoliberal mind so you're constantly trying to do more with less and this is why we end up uh, living in a world where it's very common that workers rights are not respected and that companies outsource their parts of their business to places where they can get away with cheaper labor where they can get away without providing for their workers so much so that they can continue to maximize profit and all this exploitation uh, and environmental exploitation and um, whatever like it's a kind of it keeps going and going and and cynicism cynicism as capitalism does not have a happy ending it just gets worse and worse and worse and more and more extreme just like this this story this good old neon
so this is this is this is just this is just to say that cynicism has a kind of i think has its claws it potentially has its claws in us quite deeply these days and alan moore's watchman um and also his v for vendetta they use a kind of critical view on cynicism to expose and explain and explore what is really going on and so they can they can become kind of cautionary tales in themselves and i think in this way they're really successful and interesting but he in, he in fact said in this same interview he was saying that what he in fact precipitated was a lot of comic books creating dark and edgy superheroes sort of because it was it became fashionable it became the trend so i'd like to look at the dark knight in terms of this because i think there is something underlying in the dark knight which is very conservative and very cynical and you see the thing is it's not cynical in a way of exploring cynicism it's sort of like they've taken that satire of Watchmen at face value. Like, if you think about um, police dramas, like, uh, if you think about Luther, it was a very popular one in UK, and The Wire was very popular in US. Yeah, made from US, made from UK, whatever. Um, in both of them, like, one of the... one of the central components is this is that the, the main character, the male cop, is like edgy and has his demons. Um, there's a show called Touch of Cloth, which uh, uh, takes the piss out of this, like how he has his demons and whatever. And yeah, all these police, police officers in these television shows have their dark side, they're kind of mavericks. But um, in, a, in a very edgy way, especially these days, maybe they have a drink or a drug problem something quite sort of serious or they're womanizers often like they're people who are, like kind of exploit female tension um and are not very and are, and are pretty misogynistic basically and the the story is kind of made more exciting by this and it's sort of like cynical in the way of like yeah the world is just like this man and it's this how does rorschach say this the streets are extended gutters and the difference between watchmen and these um police shows which i think someone else has termed copaganda as in propaganda for police because the difference is that in watchmen like kind of goes to its logical conclusion where it's like this is where cynicism will take us like a kind of attempt to destroy the world whereas in the in the propaganda shows um they're a little bit more like those ancient greek philosophers the cynics who reject all conventions they don't value these moral compasses that are traditional but they instead advocate the pursuit of virtue in accordance with a simple and idealistic way of life somehow the cop is always right just like those fascist superheroes they are the judge jury and executioner and the arbiter of you know what is what is 
what is good and bad, what is right and wrong. And this is dangerous, I think. This is a dangerous form of cynicism, which leads us to distrust other people to the point that we believe in the rise of a kind of pure-hearted one who will be the only one we can trust. And that's the, that's the doorway to, to a fascist leader. So I'm going to stop there. That was a little bit about cynicism. I hope it was interesting. And I'm going to kind of going to try and move next week, or maybe it'll be another week, um, but soon anyway, to talk about uh, satirical comedy in a similar framework about cynicism and like how some satirical comedy does a good job of exposing the cynical nature of the world and can be kind of cautionary or can be um, punching up, as it were. Like it can be uh, anti-authoritarian and at other times it can be that more dangerous form of cynicism which casts judgment. Um, and yeah, I think that line is very thin and I want to talk about that and explore that. So I'm going to leave with you with a, a song by Riz MC. Riz MC, you might know as Riz Ahmed, the actor who has been in such films as Four Lions uh, and The Reluctant Fundamentalist um, and uh, was he in he was in a gangster one I think he was in Ill Manners the film directed by Plan B he's in lots of films he's actually very um, very uh, quite, an, quite a bit of an A-list actor but he did a, a hip hop album some years ago like 2007 or so, I don't know a little while ago and it's it's actually it's actually really good I really recommend checking out the whole album it's called Microscope this particular song is called Radar and it's about that kind of hyper hyper access to culture the hyper consumption of culture and how it and it alienates us from what could be more what could be a more real or genuine experience of that culture um, it's called Radar it's about kind of categorizing different pieces of art as we're told to understand what they mean so it's kind of it's mocking this cynical view but it's also sort of saying like this cynicism is in my mind I can't turn it off anywho enjoy Riz MC thank you for joining it was a little bit longer than I imagined it would be I think I talked quite a lot about Watchmen hope it was enjoyable Hope you got a good dose of cynicism from that, or rather, you checked your cynicism, and you hopefully you will consume healthy cynicism as as much as you can, and avoid unhealthy cynicism. Um, and remember, different hairstyles. Opium sizi, severum sizi, guzalba candine. Take amazing good care of yourself this week. Hadi bye bye. 
I can't turn my radar off. I can't turn my radar off. Anyone, anything, I'ma put it in a box. Anyone, anything, I'ma put it in a box. I can't turn my radar off. I can't turn my radar off. Anyone, anything, I'ma put it in a box. Anyone, anything, I don't wanna know what they get the week it is. Or who's the weakest link? Or what these people think? I'm knee deep in the beeps and clicks with the radar blips. My experience lives, so I know how they fit and I know what to think. That's retro, rude boy, kitchen sink. Left wing, right wing, green or pink. Tweed or weed, it bleeps and blinks. But if I could just lose the radar, bust loose from news, the adverts and all this shit, then maybe. When I see a dude's hair and shoes, then I wouldn't assume that I knew them a maybe. When I heard a tune, then I listened without hearing all the reviews and maybe. I could get to know me, get past the label to do what I do. I can't turn my radar off. I can't turn my radar off. Anyone, anything, I'ma put it in a box. Anyone, anything, I'ma put it in a box. I can't turn my radar off. I can't turn my radar off. Anyone, anything, I'ma put it in a box. Anyone, anything. With that grammar coke, you ain't paying for the buzz. You could have bought 10 pills with that cash. You're paying for a parking spot on a radar. So edgy, so flash, like a pop star. Chilling with gangsters in a posh rocker with a supermodel wearing fat gold chains and a cool kicks. Plus, if it's a viral hit, every box tick built with a radar toolkit. Oh, who's this? I like this artist because he wears glasses. Tick box, backpack, flash on my screen. Muslim skateboarding Marxist. When you hear the Beatles or Bob Dylan, can you forget the status and properly listen? Can you ever get past the packaging parasite sound bite type blurbism? Color my vision. I can't turn my radar off. I can't turn my radar off. Anyone, anything, I'ma put it in the box. Anyone, anything, I'ma put it in the box. I can't turn my radar off. I can't turn my radar off. Anyone, anything, I'ma put it in the box. With a new era hat, leather A-Rex and black, black, you're clear on my radar. With your skinny fit jeans, pointy shoes and keychains, you're clear on my radar. With the chinos, rosy cheeks and pink bean striped shirt, radar. I don't know you for shit, but on the wall of it, know the coordinates instead. I don't know you for shit, but on the wall of it, know the coordinates instead. By the color of your skin, my radar says what slot you're in, so I'll keep you in that. And do you say safe, nice one, cool or fabulous, cause I say... And do you say safe, nice one, cool or fabulous, cause I say fuck that, man, I'm so in the trivia, wrapped in maps and plastic, new categories and classics. And when I look in the mirror, I just see the labels, eyes like radars flashing. And when I look in the mirror, I just see the labels, eyes like radars flashing. And when I look in the mirror, I just see the labels, I stay dead and flashing. I can't turn my radar off. I can't turn my radar off. Anyone, anything, I'ma put it in the box. Anyone, anything, I'ma put it in the box. I can't turn my radar off. I can't turn my radar off. Anyone, anything, I'ma put it in the box. Anyone, anything, I'ma put it in the box. I can't turn my radar off 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 I can't turn my radar off